This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. As a financial coach, I rarely recommend side hustles or additional streams of income that I personally would not do or haven't tested myself. And that's kind of where my love for furniture flipping came from. A few years ago, I was testing some side hustles. I was doing the traditional Uber Eats and DoorDash and all of that stuff to show you exactly how much money I make during that time. And it was fun. I had a really, really good time with it. And then I kind of came across this idea of what if I tried furniture flipping? Now, to be fair, I had no idea how I was going to get started, how I was going to make money, if I would even make money, or if I was going to be stuck with a house full of furniture that I couldn't sell. So I was a little bit skeptical of the whole furniture flipping stuff. The other thing I was telling myself too is I don't have time to sit here and redo pieces of furniture or learn how to reupholster something. I just don't know if I have the time for this. And I'm really glad that I put aside some of my excuses and tested furniture flipping as a side hustle. So today I'm gonna break down an entire system, step-by-step of how you can get started into furniture flipping. So if you are creative and you want to redo pieces of furniture or if you started off like I did and you just don't have the time to do that, this episode is gonna show you how you can approach both of these and still make a pretty decent side income. Now, when I say a side income, what I really mean is on the low end, $500 in profit per month. This is something you can definitely do. When I'm actively pursuing furniture flipping and not working on my Airbnb project, which I will talk about in another episode, or if I'm not really hustling with my business or taking vacations or whatever the heck, I can usually make anywhere between $1,000 and $2,000 in profit per month. And again, this is very, very part-time. So let's break down this system of exactly how you can get started with furniture flipping. The first step I recommend you start with and I started with as well is setting your minimum profit amount. Now, when I first started this, I had no idea how much money I was going to make. Truly, I didn't know. But what I said is if I made $20 in profit on a specific item, it would be worth it to me. Now, of course, you get to choose that profit amount. 
I didn't really know, but frankly, I wouldn't recommend setting anything under $10. In my opinion, it's not really worth it. You could do it, but it's really not worth it in my, in my eyes. So I said at least $20 in profit. Now notice that's the minimum. I'm going to be very honest. If I only made $20 profit on an item today, I would not be very happy with myself. I know now that you can make a pretty good chunk of change. So generally speaking, that minimum profit has now increased to about $50 per item on the low end for me. But you do you, you set your minimum profit amount. Step number two to furniture flipping is you actually have to source the furniture. You got to find it. And there's really five places that I recommend looking for furniture. First and foremost is around your house. Definitely go listen to the episode that I did where Lisa Salabitas came on and talked about how to Marie Kondo your life and use the, the KonMari method to make sure that all of your clutter is working for you. And not to mention that clutter can make you some money. So for when you're finding furniture to flip and you're trying to find items, look around your house first. That is always the greatest thing to do. And then you can list that furniture. We'll talk about where you list it, but you can list it and sell it and get rid of the clutter at the same time. The second place to find furniture to flip is actually the free section of Craigslist. Craigslist is not dead. It is still an actively used platform. And I don't sell stuff on Craigslist, but I definitely do occasionally buy pieces from Craigslist. And so when you go to yourcity.craigslist.org, you can find an entire list by searching the free section of furniture and different items. The next place that I look to find furniture to flip is highbid.com, hibid.com. What this is, is this is online auction websites. There's lots of different auctions in your area. I Trust me, if, even if you're in a small city, there's auctions around you. And a lot of times these auctions include estate sales. So if you've ever been curious about like, how do people actually get involved with estate sales and, and online auctions, that's probably how. Highbid.com, it'll find a ton of different auctions. The piece to keep in mind is that you don't overpay and you keep in mind your minimum profit amount and that will help you knock out crazy on the auction sites. The fourth place to find furniture to flip is thrift stores. Of course, this is common sense. Everybody goes thrifting. That's where you can find some really, really great deals. Sometimes you have to go a little bit above and beyond thrift stores as well. So I also go to the used salvage materials store where they will people will donate construction waste and that kind of stuff. Sometimes there's furniture there. Like you have to be creative on where you find this stuff, but thrift stores are still a really great place to go. Although I will say they are getting way more expensive than they have over the past year, honestly. They have been getting incredibly expensive, even for not very quality pieces. So that is kind of a bummer, but if you still keep your eyes open, you can find some things to flip. Now, the other place to go for finding furniture to flip is friends and family. Friends and family is such a great place to start too because a lot of times you don't have a lot of money to invest in inventory. And frankly, it's kind of safe to not invest very much in inventory in the beginning. Just while you get your feet wet and you start to see how you can learn from this and if you're actually going to make money. Most of this is a confidence game. It truly is. But when your confidence boosts, then you can start investing more money. So reach out to friends and family and say, hey, I will list your stuff. I will take pictures. I will deal with all the inquiries. I will do everything for a certain percentage. Maybe it's 20%, maybe it's 40%, maybe it's 10. Who knows? You set that up with your friends and family, and that is a really, really great way to go in order to get started with furniture flipping to get inventory. And lastly, a little bonus place, Facebook Marketplace. 
This place is everything for furniture flipping. I find so many good deals on there all the time. And sometimes it's finding a piece and not doing a single thing to it and reselling it. Taking some pictures, maybe cleaning it up a little bit and then reselling it on Facebook Marketplace. Those are my go-to places for finding inventory and furniture to flip. Oh, a couple little quick tips too before I forget these. Online auctions do have auction fees, so be prepared to pay those. It's usually about 10%, I believe. It depends on the auction, of course. And then in addition, when you're going thrifting, make sure you pay attention to the, the days that are discounted. So a lot of thrift stores will have, I don't know, extra 10% off on Tuesdays or whatever the heck it might be. So ask the thrift stores what days they start to mark things down. So really do pay attention to those things too, because you can save a little bit of cash on your inventory. Okay, step three is what to look for in furniture. This is really tricky because a lot of times this comes down to experience and you will learn very quickly what sells and what doesn't. So do keep that in the back of your mind. Even if you find a piece that maybe isn't taking longer to sell, it likely will eventually sell at some price point. It may not be the price point you want, but eventually it will sell. I've had a few pieces where I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to give this to my future great grandkids. And thankfully I didn't. I was able to get rid of it. So I understand that feeling, but just know that it will likely sell in time. But in general, there are ways to buy smarter when you're shopping. So one of the things to keep in mind is different styles. I like to look for timeless classic pieces that are very streamlined, they're simple, ideally it's solid wood. I try not to mess with too many laminate pieces because if that laminate gets chipped, you can repair it, it's just kind of a pain in the butt. And I definitely have uh, flipped a couple of tables that were laminate and they were fine, it worked out okay, but in general my preference is solid wood. The other thing too is anything mid-century modern. So clean lines, cute little shapes, legs, like all of this kinds of stuff. If you don't know what mid-century modern looks like, just do some Google image searches and you're gonna find some pieces that will be mid-century modern. So when you go to the, the stores, you can find pieces that will likely sell and are trendy for the moment. The other thing I look for is anything name brand. So name brand, what I mean by this is Brands like Pier One Imports or West Elm or Restoration Hardware or Pottery Barn, Target, sometimes it just depends on the piece, Cost Plus sometimes, Article, I will always look for as well. I don't find a ton of this stuff, but if you can find it, it's going to help you sell it a little bit more quickly. For some reason, all of these brands are associated with higher quality, and I think it's because it's more recognized widely but it will help you sell furniture faster if you're looking for those brands. The other thing I look for when I'm selecting my inventory is quality woodworking. Now what I mean by quality woodworking is I'm really looking for high-end joinery. So there's a concept called dovetail joints. If you've seen them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, again, do a quick Google search so you can understand what I'm talking about. It's hard to describe on a podcast, but it's a style of woodworking that's a bit more classic and it does tend to last longer. The joinery is stronger, it is kind of aesthetically pleasing. And frankly, I'm not a woodworker, not really. <laughs> I would never claim that I am. But I think it's a really important factor too is you're looking for quality woodworking pieces and sometimes those joineries can help. The other thing I'm looking for is cheap prices. Ultimately, when you're flipping, you are looking to buy low, sell high. That is the whole concept of the flipping game. And so cheap prices 
are great. Even free, I mean, I will sometimes turn away free stuff if it's not in line with what I'm looking for or if I don't think it will sell quickly. And this comes from experience. You will learn over time. But ultimately, cheap prices are really helpful because it helps you control your inventory costs and ultimately make more money. Now, one tip too I wanna give you if you are just getting started into all this, there's really two apps that you need to help you learn more about the furniture that you're you're purchasing to see if it's a really great deal. And sometimes you come across antiques that are worth a lot more money. And if you didn't use these two apps, you would probably miss that. So the first one that I use is the Google app. So Google app has a section where you can do a picture image search. So I will take a picture of the dresser or I don't know, buffet or console table or whatever the heck it might be. Take a picture of that, upload it on the Google app, do the little image search. It's super, super easy to do. And once you do that, you can start to scroll through and find the exact pieces of furniture or ones that are very, very similar. I use this a lot to tell what time period a piece of furniture is from. Is it vintage or is it actually a recreation from the 90s? I do this stuff a lot to see what my stuff is worth. Now, ultimately, sometimes it's hard to find and you're not always gonna get it right. So give yourself a little bit of grace, do the best that you can when you're trying to figure out where and what and what is the brand and what time period did it come from, all of that stuff. It can be hard to find, but you will find it eventually. Also helpful during this picture image search is any of the stamped stuff. So there's a brand called Bassett. Bassett is very prominent furniture maker. And so I will find occasionally some Bassett stamps on the inside of the drawer or on the back of a dresser. So you do have to look out for that stuff too. But then once you have an idea of like, yes, this is the exact dresser. It came from 1973. It's by this company. I think it's this one. Then you can start to go to eBay, which is the second app I recommend you download. Once you're on eBay, you'll be able to then type in the information and look for sold listings. There's a little box that you can check that says sh uh, sold slash completed listings. That is what you want to look for because ultimately, you know this, we all see the beanie babies that people are trying to get millions of dollars for. Just because it's listed for a very high price point does not mean that's what it's selling for. And the same thing goes for furniture. So if you can find the exact stuff and you can see on average on eBay, it's selling for $500 for this specific dresser around this time period, then you know when you go to list your items that you could probably get $500 for it. So it's just a little tip, but the Google image search has saved my bacon. It seriously helps me so much to find out what pieces of furniture might be worth. Okay, you with me so far? We've gone through three steps and I know it seems like a lot, but you do this so quickly. The more you do it, the faster you get at it. I do all of this probably within five minutes when I'm selecting a piece. And usually I have a pretty good eye at this stage where I know different brands and what it's gonna be worth. So you get really good at this, but seriously, it takes like five minutes. So don't think it takes hours upon hours. It's really not that time consuming. This leads me to step number four, which is where everybody initially wants to start. And that is, should I redo the furniture or should I just list as is? Now I've gotta be honest with you. When I first got started with this, I did not love redoing furniture. I did this as much more of a, how can I just flip and make money immediately without doing very much work? And then I started to develop a passion for refinishing furniture. This is just something that it kind of meshes my creative side and my finance side, and it helps me just have a different outlet creatively. So I love redoing furniture, but I will say that is not all that I do is refinish furniture because it, it takes time. It, it is hours and hours of redoing pieces. 
And it's a lot of sweat equity that most people don't want to do. And I respect that. I completely understand. But for me, I enjoy it. I think it's kind of fun. I like to take an item and just completely recreate it or turn an old entertainment stand into a console table. Like I enjoy that stuff. But if you don't, there is nothing wrong with that. You can still sell pieces of furniture. Recently, I sold a outdoor patio set that I paid $75 for. All I did was wash the cushions. They were a little bit dirty. Wash the cushions, put them back on, listed it, and sold it for $300 within two hours on Facebook Marketplace. There is some great money in just taking as-is furniture and relisting it with better pictures. So you don't always have to redo it. But one thing to keep in mind, if you do choose to redo the furniture, try to go for neutral stuff. Don't be overly creative. One of my first pieces of furniture that I ever redid was this really ornate dresser. It was, I think, a nine drawer dresser and it was pretty ugly, I'm gonna be honest. I got it from an auction and Tony was looking at me like, why the hell did you buy this dresser? You're never going to get rid of it. And instead what I did is I chose to paint it this, what I think now is obnoxious teal green and it sold. It really, did. I paid $30 for it. I sold it for 300. It was a pretty good flip, but if I were to redo this piece again, I would not go for something that bold. I'd stick to blacks, whites, neutral colors, and I would change hardware into something a little bit more modern and sleek. And that way it appeals to a larger audience. But ultimately, if you're going to redo furniture, don't forget to factor in some materials costs and make sure you're tracking all of the stuff that it takes for you to get this piece officially sold. Now this leads us to step five, and that is to price your furniture. Pricing your furniture is probably one of the hardest things because there's so many different factors and variables in there, but ultimately the way to figure out what to price your furniture at is doing a quick search on Facebook Marketplace and on eBay. Once you do these things, then you can start to see what does the average dresser sell for on Facebook Marketplace. If you see a ton of different listings and they are all $300, that means you can probably price yours at about $300 as well. Now, ultimately, the other indicator for pricing, this is how I can see if I price something too low or if it's priced correctly. If I get a ton of inquiries within the first 30 minutes to even one hour, I know that I priced it too low. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't sell it for that price. It just means I make a mental note and say, okay, next time I come across a piece like this, I've got to go a little bit higher on my price point. So that's how you can start to do it. But again, you're going to learn over time. So here are some of my own benchmarks that I personally have learned over the years. It might be totally different for your area here in Boise, Idaho. This is just what works for me. So for pricing, I will always price accent chairs and office chairs anywhere between $30 and $100. I generally don't go more than that because what I find is there's so much competition for office chairs and accent chairs in that price point that it just makes sense and I'll sell a little bit more quickly. Kitchen table and four chairs, I will sell from anywhere between $80 and $250. It just depends on the piece and how good of the quality it is. Dressers. Dressers are my money maker. This is the area that I really do own. You can charge anywhere between $80 and $250, up to $300 if it's in really great condition. Next common piece of furniture you're gonna come across is end tables and nightstands. Now I'm gonna be honest, I have dabbled in these a little bit over the years and I don't quite love selling end tables and nightstands. 
they're a little harder to sell in my opinion. Could be different for your area. Again, you have to go test this stuff yourself. This is just from my own experience. But I will generally charge anywhere between $50 to $100 for end tables and nightstands. And again, this totally depends on the size, the condition, the trendiness, all of that stuff is a huge, huge factor in what I will price. Now, once I have that price point, I'll subtract out my costs. This is your cost of goods sold. So your paint, your sandpaper. I don't count my time because my time is my profit is the way I'm looking at this side hustle. And again, there's no exact science to this. You're going to have to learn about your area over time. And don't forget to factor in your minimum profit when you're thinking through how much should I list this item for. Step number six is all about listing your furniture. Once you've got your price point in line, you've got all of the details lined up, you know exactly if you're gonna redo it or not then you need to list your furniture. So here's what to include. I personally do all of my listing on Facebook Marketplace. I find this to be the best. I have found Craigslist terrible for selling items. There's just a ton of spam. And in my opinion, it's not really worth it. You can also ship items on eBay, but frankly, I haven't really dabbled into that. You can also do the same thing with Etsy. It's just, that's not something I'm interested in messing with at this point. So I use Facebook Marketplace solely. And here's what to include in your Facebook Marketplace listing. You're gonna want three to seven pictures in good lighting. Now do not take, if it's like 9 p.m. and you're like, oh man, I meant to take some pictures. I want you to wait till the morning, seriously. This is not something that you can skimp on good lighting if you're trying to get maximum dollar. So three to seven pictures in great lighting. Ideally, it's just natural lighting and Ideally, you would also stage your item, but again, not totally necessary. But you're gonna be showing different angles, up close pictures of any damage, any tears in the fabric, any stains. Do not hide this from people. You want people to see this very much up front. And I will typically stage my pictures and do some very minor editing just to brighten and enhance the appearance. There is a truly fine line between going and over editing stuff because if you over edit and you change the colors, when a buyer gets there, they're gonna be pissed off. They're gonna be like, what the heck? This isn't what I saw online. So it's a very fine line. You want to do subtle enhancements but never changing the image entirely. And remember, your whole goal is to set expectations. So what I will do in the listing description is I will legitimately tell people, please see all pictures because I want them to see that there are damages. This is not perfect. The key is setting expectations and giving people the opportunity to not waste their time first and foremost. So when they get there to look at your furniture, they know exactly what they're getting. The next thing to include in your listing is keywords. This is kind of an SEO game. So if you haven't heard of SEO, it stands for search engine optimization. And that is basically, you know, when you go to Google and you type in something and you get your exact search result, the same thing is true for Facebook Marketplace when it comes to your furniture. So if you have a piece that's mid-century modern, you want to make sure that you're thinking through what would somebody looking for a mid-century modern dresser type into Facebook Marketplace? Probably just that, right? So include that in your description, include it in your title, and just make sure that you mention it maybe a couple times in the description. The next thing that you are definitely going to need to include in your listing is dimensions. People are going to ask, so just include it in your post. Otherwise, you're just gonna be wasting your time going back and forth answering those questions when it can very simply just be directly in your listing. The other thing I include in my listing is first come, first serve, no holds. 
Now, unless you're comfortable holding an item for someone, you can, but I do not recommend this. I have been burned so many times by doing this. So I just tell people no holds. And that really sets that expectation of like, yo, I'm not going to hold while you talk to your husband to see if this is really what you want. That's not what I'm in the business of. I'm trying to sell this as quickly as possible. But again, if you set that expectation, people are usually okay with that. People change their minds frequently when it comes to items on Facebook Marketplace. Don't be offended by it. It's just the way it goes. But again, if you tell people I don't hold items, then you'll be okay. The other thing I like to remind newbie furniture flippers is that you are going to get a lot of people that say, hey, is this available? They just select a button. Your job as a furniture flipper is to not get pissed and passive aggressive and say something in your listing like, yes, it's still available if it's posted. I understand it's frustrating to answer that question a million times. You feel like you're wasting your time. But remember, this is a side hustle. You are making hundreds of dollars per hour by doing this. It is okay to answer that question a few times. So try not to be passive aggressive about it. I understand it's frustrating, but just know that you're going to get a ton of people saying, is this the available and asking all kinds of questions that are even in your description. So you win in furniture flipping by not getting frustrated there. Now, the next step that I really want to talk about is what to do to stay safe. So safety has taken a different perspective. Before it was just physical safety of not having somebody come into your home and not getting robbed or worse, you know, like it was safety started by that. And then with COVID, it started to change things as well. So when it comes to safety with COVID, the best thing that I have found is porch pickup and cashless pay. So Venmo, if you tell people that you accept Venmo in your listing, you will have a lot of people that use it. Um, that's usually the biggest way that people pay me today is through Venmo. And again, it can be porch pickup. So you can have them pay you and you frankly don't even have to deal with them that much. So it's a really great way to go. And that's how you can stay safe with COVID specifically. Now, if you do have pieces that you can meet people in public, like if you can go to a gas station or a Starbucks parking lot or something like that, I will always meet people, especially strangers on the internet, in a public place when possible. So that's one thing. If it's a dresser, it's really hard for me to meet somebody in a public place. So I have to give them my address. Now, people are going to be coming to your house if you are selling furniture. It is inevitable. So make sure that you know this and that you're not home alone, that your furniture is in your garage or in your front patio. Basically, you don't want it in your house. This is just a safety thing. I'm a little paranoid. I listen to way too much My Favorite Murder. I don't trust people. So this is, again, this is just me. But I will not let people come into my home. I'm not okay with that. I will always have the furniture outside or in my driveway, or in my garage, or something like that. If it's winter, I'll put it in my garage. The other thing that I do is I never give people my address until they're on the way to meet me. So when somebody says, hey, I can pick it up tomorrow morning, what's your address? I'll say, hey, here's my crossroads. My main crossroads are this and this. Send me a message when you're on your way, and I'll give you my exact address. That way you're not just giving out a bunch of randos your address. It's just a little safety thing. And frankly, I don't want a bunch of people having my address if they aren't actually buying my stuff. You know what I mean? Now, the next thing that I do is I tell them to message me when they're outside so I can open the garage. I find this to be really helpful so that when I open my door, somebody doesn't just push the door down and sneak into my house and then I'm SOL. So I don't allow that to happen. I have a lot of control over the situation or at least as much as I can by having them message me when they get to my house. 
The other thing is, of course, if you can have somebody home with you, this is always a safety thing. I try really hard to have Tony or one of my siblings stop by. I'm rarely alone during my sales. Very, very rarely. And even then I will tell people, I'll send Tony a message and say, hey, someone's coming to pick up this piece of furniture. They should be here by this time. I'll text you when they're gone. That way, I mean, again, it's probably overkill for safety, but it really does help me a lot. And then ultimately too, if something were to ever happen to me, my messages are very clear of who was the last person to message me through Facebook. So they know who likely has me in the trunk of their car. <laughs> I mean, it's all kidding aside, seriously though. Be, be safe when you're flipping furniture. This is not a dangerous game, but anytime you're giving out your personal address, just be smart about it. Step number eight when flipping furniture is what to do if your furniture isn't selling. You have to have a contingency plan. So first and foremost, this is very stressful. I've been there. When your inventory is not moving as fast as you like, it can immediately make you feel like a failure and like everything's going wrong. But there's a few factors to consider. First and foremost is the price. If I am not selling furniture, I will start to drop the price by five to $10 per day and I will eventually sell it. So this helps, I can't say this for certain, but it does seem like when you lower a price, it pushes your, your listing higher in Facebook's feed so that people can actually start to see it more. The other thing too is sometimes you have to retake your pictures, you have to redo the description and the title. It's not always, but it does help sometimes. And occasionally you're gonna come across some things where you really truly do have to redo the piece of furniture. You have to paint it, you have to stain it, you have to do a little bit of creativity there. It's not always fun, but I have noticed on pieces that are not moving, you have to redo them. Here's an example of this. I bought a dresser that was mid-century modern. It was beautiful, super cute, but it was a bright green color. Now we're talking like Crayola green. We're not talking beautiful hunter green. <laughs> it, was not, it was not cute. And I even did a poll on Instagram and I said, hey, should I leave this dresser as is or should I paint it? And a lot of people said leave as is, that it was pretty cute. The market was telling me something different. The market was saying, I hate this, it's not going to sell. So I had it listed for, gosh, I wanna say like three or four weeks and I still was not getting any bites for the price point I wanted. And so ultimately what I did is I repainted it and did it as a very neutral, beautiful white color, and it sold in like two days. So it sold for more money too, which is even better, but you do sometimes have to put in a little bit of love if you're finding that things just are not moving, that's the way you can do it. The other step that I always recommend to furniture flippers, step number nine, is to track your revenue and your expenses. I really do recommend this because I think it helps for you to see all of the different stuff. And if you want a detailed tracker for this. I actually have a spreadsheet that I use that you can download if you go to whitneyhansoncom slash how to flip furniture. It's going to take you to this blog post. And if you just scroll down to step number nine, there's a section, a little hyperlink where you can download the exact same Google sheet that I use. All right, friend, that is pretty much it. I think I just did a mini masterclass on how to flip furniture and I hope that you enjoyed it. And more than anything, I hope you take action with this. If flipping furniture is something that you've been drawn to and you really want to make a pretty easy $500 a month, I highly recommend flipping furniture. It does take a little bit of time, like anything. There's no such thing as truly passive income unless you're investing in the stock market. 
but this will help you invest more money into the stock market. So this is one of the greatest things about side hustles is it helps you reach your financial goals so much faster. And furniture flipping truly is on your own time. So I think it's one of the best side hustles. I am obsessed with it. And I think you will be too, especially once you get started. That is it for today. Do me the biggest favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on whichever podcast player you listen to. It means the world to me. It helps the show get in front of more people and is truly one of the greatest compliments you can give to a podcaster. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye.